0: Well, welcome those of you who are listening to the City Church Podcast. This is actually a re-recording of the sermon that I preached on Sunday. We had, a, we had a little glitch in our recording process, so we just decided to re-record it. So if this sounds a little more personal, or if you don't hear some of the ambient noise that you would normally hear from a regular recording on a Sunday morning, you'll know why. You've caught us at a very strategic time because we're starting a new series, Called Vision Evansville and Beyond, and we make no apologies that we're challenging each person involved in our church or listening to this podcast, wherever you are in the country, to trade the pursuit of the American dream to become an active part of the revolution that Jesus Christ began over 2,000 years ago. And as glad as we are that you are listening to this sermon, understand that what we're challenging you to is more than just showing up to church on Sundays or listening to sermons on a podcast— We're asking you to join us in a revolution that takes precedent over everything else in your life, a revolution that, in all honesty, may one day get you killed, a revolution that will ask you to sacrifice enormous amounts of time and money, a revolution that will ask you to sacrifice your dreams for your family or your dreams for your golden years or your dreams for your children's future. A revolution that will require you to sacrifice your racial biases, your socioeconomic comfort zones, your geographic comfort zones, and your intellectual comfort zones, and to do so out of not out of fear or obligation or guilt, but out of love for Jesus Christ and the conviction that he is the answer to every question that humanity has ever asked, every need that humanity has ever had, and every kind of brokenness that humanity has ever experienced. And on what basis... You ask, on what basis could we challenge you in that way? There's only one basis for such a challenge that could ever make any sense. The cross of Jesus Christ. We have this slogan at City Church that you'll see under our name, and it says, "It says this changes everything. And of course, the this, to which we are referring, is the cross of Christ. Once you understand the significance of the cross of Christ, it completely changes the way that you see, understand and live life, and I think I think one of the challenges that we face in this church, and I think churches really in many parts of America face, is that people have become so accustomed to the cross, as part of the cultural landscape that we've lost our understanding of the real meaning of the cross. We've we've become indifferent to it. It, it doesn't stir any emotion, any emotion in us anymore. And I want to warn you from the outset. That my goal, as we kick off this series, is to stir some emotion in you. Uh, Frankly, I hope to offend some of you. I hope to make some of you angry. Because until you understand the offense of the cross, you can never experience the power of the cross. And if you never experience the power of the cross, you will never become part of the worldwide revolution of Jesus Christ. And if you don't become part of that revolution, frankly, you're just wasting your time on earth. So let's get ready to rumble. Turn your Bibles with me, if you will, this morning to Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. And while you're turning there, uh, let me just give you a little context for this book of the Bible. Galatians is arguably the most important of the letters in the New Testament because in it, the Apostle Paul refuses to compromise on the purity of the gospel. False teachers were trying, as they've done throughout history, to persuade the first generation of Christians in Galatia that belief in Jesus Christ wasn't enough to be accepted into the family of God. They said, and I want you to just listen to how slick this is, they said, look, Jesus is great, yes, believe in Jesus, that's important, but... You also need, they said, to obey the law of God and specifically to be circumcised if you want to be saved. Circumcision was one of the aspects of the ceremonial law in the Old Testament. And these teachers were saying that these Gentile Galatians needed to get circumcised if they wanted to be Christians. Now in this letter, Paul says, no, absolutely not. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not require circumcision or anything else besides belief in Jesus Christ to be saved. Don't add anything to it. Don't add circumcision. Don't add getting baptized. Don't add taking communion. Don't add not going to R-rated movies. Don't add anything to it. The gospel is that if you want to be accepted into God's family, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because acceptance by God is not conditioned upon prior change. Now, by by chapter 6, Paul is summing up everything that he said in this letter. And I I just want to read closely these uh, very important verses. He He says, See what large letters I use. As I write to you with my own hand, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So, verse 11 is a little cryptic, and it's led to a great deal of debate about what Paul meant when he said, uh, see what large letters I use as I write with my own hand. Some people think that he suffered some kind of debilitating eye disease that seriously affected his eyesight, so much so, in fact, that he had to dictate his letters to someone else who wrote for him. But but what they're saying is that in this section, he, he writes for himself, and because he's writing for himself and he can't see, he has to write in great big, huge letters. And there is some evidence for that in the New Testament. That may very well be the case. On the other hand, there, there are other people who think that it just means that he wrote in big, bold letters for emphasis, kind of like typing in all caps in a tweet, you know? We don't know which answer is correct, but they both actually end at the very same place. Here's the point that Paul wants to make, and here's my first point today. Paul wants us to see the critical importance of the cross. That's, that's the first point this morning. He says he wants us to see the critical importance of the cross. He doesn't want us to miss that. He's saying the point of my letter is the cross. Get it, understand it, do not miss it. And there's this little phrase at the beginning of verse 14 that actually kind of it, it loses its power in the translation from the Greek language in which Paul was writing uh, to the English language. He says, he says this, he says, may I never. And that phrase is the Greek construction, meganoita. And it literally means, may it never be. In other words, absolutely under no circumstances ever let this be true of me. Uh, when my kids were were young, I used to tell them, and I still, I still tell them this sometimes. I, I used to tell them, Drugs are so dangerous, destructive, and addictive that if you ever use them, I will kill you dead, and then I will ground you for the rest of your life. And that's that's the force behind me ganoita. May it never, absolutely never be. And what Paul is saying, when he uses that phrase, is that nothing in Christianity comes close to understanding the significance of the cross. No, notice he doesn't say... He does not say, may it never be that I boast in anything except the Ten Commandments. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, may, I, may, may, it, may it never be that I boast in anything except that baptism. He doesn't say that either. Or the frequency of taking communion. Uh, or not drinking alcohol. Or not dancing. Or whatever. He said, "No." He, he says, may I never boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. And, and in fact, I even want you to watch this. He doesn't even say, may it never be that I boast in anything except the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why do I mention that? Well, I mention that because there are a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people who will tell you that they're okay with the teaching of Jesus Christ, but that they're not okay with the idea of the cross of Jesus Christ. And besides, they'll say, you know, the important thing is that we do what Jesus taught. It's, it's not what we believe about Jesus that matters. It's whether we do what he taught that matters. Uh, love your neighbor, forgive, do justice, make peace, that kind of thing. Do you understand, though, that that is not what Paul is saying here? Paul is not saying that what he boasts in is Jesus' teaching. Now, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form trying to minimize Jesus' teaching In any way, believe me, but there have been a lot of religious leaders throughout history who said some of the same stuff Jesus said. If he would have said, love your neighbor, some other religious leader would have. And if not a religious leader, then then the Beatles said it in the 1960s. All we need is love, they said. And every pop singer since then has said something about it. Because we all know intuitively that without love, the world goes to hell in a handbasket. What makes Jesus different is not so much what he said, but what Jesus did on the cross, what the Beatles would never do, and what no other religious leader has ever done. Jesus willingly, not forcibly, but willingly died on the cross for the sins of humanity. And so Paul says, look, it's, it's not what Jesus said that Christianity is built around. It's what he came to do that Christianity is built around. He came to die on a cross. Do you see that? The revolution of Jesus Christ is not defined by a moral ethic. It's defined by the cross upon which Jesus Christ died. That's what defines Christianity. Okay, so that's the first point, is is that we, we, we need to understand, we need to see the critical importance of the cross. Now, here's the point where I hope to offend some of you. Paul wants us to do more than just see the significance of the cross, he, he wants us, and here's the second point this morning, he, he wants us to be offended by the cross. You know, the, the opposite of love isn't hatred, uh, it's indifference. And there are many people, even church-going Christians, who just frankly are indifferent to the cross. Their Indifference to the cross means that you don't understand the offensive nature of the cross. Paul says, Watch this. He says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you, he says, to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, let me me explain what he's saying. Remember what I told you a few minutes ago regarding the message of the whole book of Galatians. You've got these false teachers who are saying, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised if you want to be acceptable to God. And Paul kept saying, nope, that's not it believing in Jesus Christ only is what makes you acceptable before God. And what Paul's saying here is that the motive for these false teachers is that they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, do me a favor and just turn back in your Bibles, just, just a page or two, maybe to, uh, just turn back to Galatians chapter 5 verse 11. It may just be a page or two in your Bible. Notice what Paul says about persecution in Galatians chapter 5 verse 11. He says, Brothers, If I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished, he says. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying if he's still preaching that there is something that you can do to earn acceptance before God, then the cross wouldn't be so offensive. Why? Well, because the cross says there's not a thing in the world that you can do to save yourself. See, the the false teachers were saying you can save yourself. And Paul is saying there's absolutely nothing that you can do to save yourself. It says that even your best good works can do nothing to save you. You are so sinful, so broken, that someone had to die for you. And do you realize how offensive that is to human pride? Now, listen to me. This is where I'm going to make some of you angry right now. In fact, I'm going to make everyone angry, I think. Uh, and it's believe me, it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you that I'm going to make you angry here. So just stick with me here. But let me just say this, that the cross angers everyone. Let me start with conservatives. The cross angers conservatives. Do you know why? Because conservative people think that the cross is dangerous. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that my sweet daughter, who's waiting to have sex until she gets married... Are you telling me that she's in the very same condition as the girl who's had sex with every boy that she's ever gone out with? Yep, that's exactly what the cross is saying. Wait a minute, are you telling me that the policeman who enforces the law is in the very same spot with God as the worst criminal that he catches and throws in jail? Yep, that's, that's exactly what the cross means. Wait a minute, are you telling me that my husband and I, who've been legally married by the state, are in no better condition before God than a gay couple who are living together? Yep, that's the message of the cross. Now, do you see how offensive that is? See, it's dangerous, conservatives think, because if that's the case, they they ask, what's the value of living morally? Okay, so I've got conservatives, man. Now, let me... Now let me, shoot for, let me shoot for the liberals. Liberals are offended by the cross because they think the cross is intolerant. Are you telling me that the good people I know who don't believe in the cross aren't saved? Yep, that's, that's the message of the cross. How can you believe something so intolerant, they ask? Well, what about the people who worship other gods, who are very sincere and very devout people and very good people? Well, the cross says that unless they believe in Christ, who died on the cross, uh, they aren't saved because even their good and sincere acts are filthy rags before God. Okay, now, do you see how offensive the cross is? I've made everyone angry, and now... You understand the offense of the cross. Look, you may hate the cross or you may love the cross, but you can't be indifferent to the cross. Every time you see a cross on the landscape of America, every time you see a cross around someone's neck, any place that you see a cross, it should remind you that what it's saying is that you have nothing that you can hide behind. You have no fig leaf that can hide you from God's scrutiny. There is nothing that you can do to save yourself. Jesus had to die. Because you're so broken. So look, either the cross is the greatest thing in the world, or it's the most repugnant thing in the world, but there is no in-between. And what Paul is telling us in this passage is that if you and I are ever going to get to the place that we understand how the cross changes everything, we have to be offended by the cross first. That's how you know if you really understand the cross of Christ, you will first have been offended by it. And it's only once you understand the offense of the cross that the real power of the cross will ever be experienced in your life and that you'll ever really believe in the power of the cross to change other people's lives. Which leads me to my last point. Now that you've understood the offense of the cross, and here's the third point, you can experience the power of the cross. Experience the power of the cross. Paul says in this passage, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean that the world has been crucified to him and him to the world? Well, let's start with what it can't mean. It can't mean that the world is dead, obviously, because it's alive, or it couldn't have meant that Paul was dead, because obviously uh, he was the one that was writing this letter, so they were both alive. What it means is that the world is dead to him. If you've ever seen a good mafia movie, you've probably heard some character in the, in the movie say to another character, you're dead to me. Well, that's what Paul is saying. The world is dead to him and him to the world. In other words, it has no significance to him. The cross has come into his life in such a way that nothing the world can throw at him shakes him. Notice what Paul says. He says, I don't, he says, I don't boast. In anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. When you boast in something, you are saying that that thing defines you. In other words, it gives your life meaning. Your identity is tied to it. You go up and down with it. Without it, you're lost. So like a woman who boasts in her beauty, even if she doesn't do it verbally, is distraught over the ravaging effects of age on her body. A man who boasts in his success is devastated by failure. A woman who boasts in her kid's well-being is shaken by one of her kid's rebellion. You see, anything that you boast in, it's an emotional world. word. Anything you boast in ultimately controls you. And consequently, it leaves you very fragile. And all of that, you see, is, is boasting in human flesh, which is what the false teachers were wanting to boast in. They wanted to boast in circumcision, Uh, Not in the cross of Christ. But Paul says that it's possible for the cross to come into your life in such a way that it frees you from the fragility of boasting in human flesh. Now, that's not to say that you don't care about anything else, but it is to say that you don't boast in anything else but the cross. My only boast, he says, is the cross of Christ. And because of that, the world can't throw anything at me that will shake me. Aging won't rob my life of meaning. Failure won't rob me of identity, my kids' rebellion won't be a commentary on my worth as a parent. See, if you're boasting in the cross, the world has no power over you anymore. It's dead to you. And so how do you experience the power of cross in your life? Well, you have to boast in the cross. There's something there's like I said, that's there's an emotional that's an emotional word to boast in something. You have to glory in the cross, boast in the cross. And some of you right now are saying, yeah, 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 I, look, I know that. I trusted Christ many years ago. Would you notice that Paul, the apostle, who's been a follower and an apostle of Christ for many, many years, when he writes this, says, may I never boast in anything except the cross of Christ. He doesn't say may. Those of you who are new followers of Christ never boast in anything. He says, may I. And I will tell you that you will spend the rest of your life recognizing that there are many things that you boast in other than the cross of Christ, and the only response to that is to repent. See, some of you accepted Christ many years ago, but functionally, functionally, you're boasting in something else. Or a number of something else's other than the cross of Christ. Maybe you're boasting in your beauty. Maybe it is in your career. Maybe it's in your kids. Maybe it's in your wealth, your knowledge of the Bible. I don't know. Whatever. You need to examine your life and you need to repent of boasting in anything but the cross of Christ. And let me tell you, by my personal experience, that will be something that you will continually do throughout the rest of your life. You will continually have to find those things that you're boasting in. And one of the ways that you can determine what it is that you boast in is what are the things that you're anxious about? What are the things that you go up and down in life about? You'll have to spend the rest of your life doing that. Some of you this morning have never placed your faith in Christ. And your ego probably has been bruised by some of the things that I've said this morning. I'm sorry, but that's the very best thing for you. You need to deal with the cross of Christ. And this is the thing that I want us to understand as we think about the vision of City Church, is that City Church is about the cross of Christ. We don't boast in anything but the cross of Christ. We believe that the cross changes everything. And frankly, we don't think that we've got anything else to offer the city of Evansville of any lasting significance other than the cross of Jesus Christ. Only the cross changes everything. We believe that the cross has the power to change everything. And as we go forward as as a church, that's what we boast in. The cross of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ alone.